So I thought I would just share some of the things I've learned over the years. And if you can benefit you know, something from that, that would be great. So my, my broad spectrum topic for today is dental practice efficiency. And I know dentistry and, you know, the healthcare field in general has taken a hit um, this year in its efficiency. We've had to implement different protocol, PPE, all those things that you know, can slow us down. So it's, you know, it's a, a work in progress. Um, but, you know, this world is all about change and we've seen a lot of that this year. My first objective is, um, you know, how to incorporate spiritual care in the dental practice. And this is um, an area that I definitely have some growth to do in. Um, I've, been, I've implemented some things that have been um, a blessing to me. Um, but, you know, for, right now, the focus, I guess, of spiritual care in my office is uh, prayer. And, you know, with the way that a dental practice runs, and I could be wrong on this because I don't, I don't have experience in other healthcare fields, but it just seems like it's more challenging in a dental setting um, than other, other venues as far as sharing. Um, because we, you know, we run so efficiently. We, you know, have high overhead. We measure things in millimeters and seconds. And um, so, you know, the spiritual part has been um, somewhat of a, a challenge, a hurdle that I've had to put a lot of thought into and, you know, gain some insight from you guys as well. Um, but prayer is, is really an area that I focused on with um, my office. And I love the topic of prayer. Uh, I love studying about it, um, listening to presentations on it. And it's something that it's, it's in my experience, not easy to do. It takes discipline to pray. So I need to be reminded of its power, effectiveness, the need for it in my life. Um, so I like to immerse myself in different um, um, areas of, of prayer. And, it, you know, it's, it's amazing thing that we can talk to our creator, and he's there waiting and willing to answer our prayer. It's unbelievable really and I personally need a reminder of, of that uh, constantly. Some of the ways that I've incorporated prayer into the practice is um, of course praying with patience and this is an area that you know I, I have some growth on as well. Again the practice runs so efficiently I don't always take the time for it. Uh, my assistants often remind me if they're if they're doing a screening and they're talking with the patient before I come in, and they you know share something sensitive that they would like prayer for. Uh, my assistant will often um, ask me to pray with the patient, which is great. 
um, something that I've I started doing that's been a blessing is taking a picture of the schedule uh, for the following day with all the patients on um, listed there. And I pray for each patient by name, um, either the night before or you know, during the morning devotions. And um, that way I know everyone is prayed for. And I you know, pray for the, the team uh, that I work with uh, by name as well. Another thing I do is I, you know, before a procedure, particularly, you know, a surgery or something like that, I, I pause to myself and pray um, silently. And that's been helpful too, to, um, if I don't have a lot of time, at least I'm, you know, pausing and praying before a procedure. Uh, I've done the prayer box in the waiting room like many of you have. Um, that's been um, good too. Patients put in prayer requests there. I remember the first week that I put the prayer box out, I had two requests in the box and one was you know, for healing of cancer and the other was a patient that I made a partial for. and. I actually made two because I couldn't get it to work. It's one of those that had their partial for 30 years and loved it and it was wore out and you have to remake it. And you're like, oh, this is, um, they're not gonna like it as much as their new one. But um, so it was a struggle to get get that right for him. And his prayer request is that his partial fit right. So you get, you get all kinds of requests. The um, other area that I, I look to incorporate prayer is in, in the morning huddles. And I'm sure many of you are doing that as well. And that's been a, a big um, blessing to involve the team in prayer to you know, protect us throughout the day and that um, all the patients would have a good experience um, with their treatment and that all the team members would, you know, be unified and and um, had a great day as well. There was a, a event in July, it was July 22nd this year, that every dentist nightmare happened um, to me. I had a patient die in the chair. Um, I was in op six, my assistant was screening a new patient in op four. Um, I was in the middle of a composite bonding procedure where I was etched and the matrix was on, I was ready to go. I got the emergency um, notification in the office. My assistant said, you have to go. So I jumped out of my chair, ran down to op four, and my assistant had this patient laid back in the chair and he wasn't breathing. I checked for a pulse. There's no pulse. Um, by that time, one of my team members had the AED out and the breathing device, trying to get that unwrapped. That wasn't working properly. I gave him um, two breaths right away. And you know, just a side note on that, it was interesting when you take CPR class with the dummies, you 
you give the breath and you see the chest rise and there's some resistance as you're breathing. There was zero resistance with this guy. I could, I gave two breaths and I wondered if I was even doing anything, but I could see his chest rise. Um, and when I was done with that, there's some movement, kind of some, you know, gasping for breath. And um, my assistant and I were, you know, alternating uh, CPR on him uh, with compressions. And as the other team member was hooking up the pads, uh, the AED pads, and it was analyzing the heart rate, it told us to stand back, um, asked us to activate the AED, activated it, the patient jumped out of um, his chest, you know, popped out of the chair, and we continued CPR until um, the EMS arrived. And um, they you know, took him away and flew, took him to the local hospital, which is a smaller one, then flew him by helicopter to a larger hospital where they had to do an emergency quadruple bypass. And he, he was, that was the picture I showed you of that guy with my two employees. He's only 59 years old, which I don't think is old anymore. And um, he was um, very thankful to us for saving his life. It was a team effort. And he came back to thank us. His wife called us to thank us over and over again. Um, the interesting about thing about that was he was scheduled to come in the, the following day. And we had an opening in the schedule and we brought him in the previous day. And if we hadn't brought him in earlier, he would have died, his wife said, because she works and would have been gone out of the house that day. Um, so it was just, um, it was a very emotional time. It had its highs and lows for sure. But I just praise the Lord that his life was spared. And it was a reminder to me to really pay attention to CPR because you know, you know how it goes. You have to take it every few years or so and you, you go through the motions and yeah, I got this, um, but I'm paying attention more now um, than I was before. Uh, but I, I really strongly feel and know in my heart that uh, the morning prayer at the huddles was significant, that God was looking up over the practice over him and the team that um, we were able to um, provide that life-saving service for him. Another area of spiritual care is um, music that's played in the office. And that, you know, that's always an area of contention with team members. Everyone has different musical taste. So there's been a lot of, you know, back and forth and what we should listen to and this and that. And I finally just, you know, made the decision as the owner, as the person uh, running the handpiece that I need to listen to what makes me feel 
at peace and at calm uh, for the benefit of uh, patient care. So that's how I presented it to my team. This, this is it's not about disrespect to your likes or taste of music, but this is what I need when I'm practicing to provide the, the best care. And, um, and that's what we've done. We usually play, you know, Christian music or some, you know, classical, some, some good for the brain type uh, music. Uh, Ellen White um, counseled in mes messages to the young people that music was made to serve a holy purpose, to lift the thoughts to that which is pure, noble, and elevating, and to awaken in the soul devotion and gratitude to God. I just think that's such a powerful quote, um, to awaken in the soul devotion and gratitude to God. Because that, you know, that's really the type of um, environment we want to foster in our, in our practices. And music plays a big role in that. Um, she also said in BOE, which is the book Beginning of the End, singing is as much an act of worship as is prayer. So, you know, the, the type of music, the environment we set in the, in the practice is a really, really is a big deal. And it's, you know, part of our, you know, spiritual care um, in our offices. The other objective I want to uh, talk about today is reducing uh, provider stress while increasing production. And there's a lot of different ways uh, to do this, but I'll share some of the, the main ones that I see that's been helpful uh, to me. One is to have an office manager. And, you know, I didn't do this until about nine years ago. And um, I don't know how I ever practiced without one. Yes, it increases overhead, um, but the amount of stress it reduces to free up space in your head and time for production more than pays for having an office manager. And the office manager I have is a hygienist um, and she can ad administer anesthesia all all of the hygienists I have do four. Um, and she can, you know, provide anesthesia for me for a patient, which helps, you know, the office flow and um, just do a lot of the things that took up a lot of headspace for me to get, you know, get done throughout the day something to seriously think about is, is getting an office manager if you don't already have one. Um, you know, I don't know what the laws are in your state regarding hygienists giving anesthesia, but I incorporate all of my hygienists to do that for me with my patients. And that really helps um, me go from room to room and be, you know, be productive. A 3D x-ray is critical. You know, Probably all or most of you may have one by now, but that, you know, that is um, invaluable when you're doing surgeries, um, even endo. Um, you can look at the root curvature, the number of canals. You can, you know, measure the length of the canal 
prior to even going in to start the procedure, placing implants, looking at bone volume availability, extracting teeth. Do I want to do this or do I want to refer? I mean, you can make quick judgment calls that are very productive um, and not get, get yourself into a, a situation you shouldn't be in or, you know, by looking at it, say, yeah, there's, you know, this is doable and you can do it and it's, you know, a productive procedure. So a 3D um, x-ray is huge. Um, same day dentistry, if you're not incorporating that into your practice, you really need to develop the system for that um, because that will really ramp up your production. Um, you know, like if you're, you're diagnosing something in, in hygiene, at a check, um, let's say it's a crown of number three and you know, the hygienist finishes up their profi, they anesthetize, that patient hops in another op, you prep and take five or 10 minutes to prep it. Um, those things are, you know, really, uh, really productive, but you need the systems in place for that. And there's so many advantages of same day dentistry. Patients don't go home and change their mind. They don't have to set up another appointment. Um, you know, particularly with this COVID thing, it's a big deal, to, you know, for screening and all that um, to, to get them appointed. So just takes longer. So if they can do that while they're already there, they've already been screened as a huge benefit to the practice and to uh, the patients as well. Um, I don't know if you, if you're familiar with the Colby index, it's kind of like a personality test, but it doesn't measure personality or intelligence. It measures the, um, the instinctive ways a person, you know, takes action. And this is a great tool. Um, I use it for hiring. And when I do hire, I, if I have it narrowed down to a couple people, I have each one take the Colby index. And it tells me um, a lot of valuable information, how they're motivated and how, they, how they're going to work. And if you can have a, an assistant that is called a quick start um, attribute to the test where they, you know, they, they just want to be busy, they have to be doing something, and um, they like deadlines, they react spontaneously. I don't think it's a good idea to have all your assistants have this, but to have someone like that really helps um, the practice flow and you know getting that same dentistry same day dentistry going um, and um, that's something to you know consider as as you're looking if you're looking for an assistant you know becoming proficient at many types of procedures uh, is important you know the more you can do the more productive you can be um, of course there's there's things that all of us like doing more than others or we um, um, don't like certain things so we avoid those but if you can choose the things you like to do and that are productive and get proficient and then market those things it's really uh, important Taking, you know, I think surgery is is one of, one of the areas that can be the really productive. Whether that's, you know, extractions, multiple extractions, placing implants, you know, bone reduction, things like that. Um, that's a skill that 
that um, really allows you to do a lot of things. And so taking a course on that, I would highly recommend. Um, I chose to do one in Dominican Republic. And if you go to another country like that, you're allowed to do a lot more things with less regulation. And just did a ton of surgery, placed a bunch of implants, and you just come back confident and ready to go. Um, so incorporating something like that into your training um, would be high, highly beneficial to your practice. Um, you know, with efficiency, it's, it's great if you can video your procedures, particularly things you do a lot like crown preps and uh, composite restorations and get the patient's permission and you videotape the procedure and you'll, you'll really see a lot of areas that you're wasting movements and wasting time. And um, that's really helpful as a diagnosis measure. And um, as far as um, dental platforms for information to get, um, you know, if efficiency ideas, Dental Town is a great one. Um, if you haven't been on that or checked that out, I recommend it. There's just thousands of topics on there. So if you, if you want to look into something, um, wondering if it's going to be efficient, what's the best way to go, what product is good, um, whatever you're wondering about, get on Dental Town, search your topic and you can see all kinds of conversations around it and it can give you good ideas um, to help you make your decision. Um, that's helped me tremendously in becoming more efficient. The, the last objective I had was you know, how to experience more joy in a, you know, in a busy dental practice. And you know, the topics that we already talked about kind of dovetails into that. It plays a role in the joy that you feel um, throughout the day, you know, being more efficient with your procedures and spiritual care, those types of things. Um, so, you know, really, you know, giving back and, you know, donated dentistry you know, serving others in, in that capacity is really what brings um, the joy, the deep fulfillment that the Bible talks about. And it's, it's something that, you know, the things that we've talked about creates the space for that. So if, we're, if we are efficient, um, in our procedures, it, it creates the space, the time to you know, give back, to donate some dentistry. If we are productive, if we have productive days, it doesn't feel like such a, a burden or hurdle to get over to do you know, something for a patient. It all, you know, it all plays a role, it helps, you know, helps with that. Um, you know, talked a little bit about mission trips earlier that I mean that's that brings so much joy to the office you know just thinking about it planning for it you know both leading up to the mission trip and after the mission trip um, is a big 
a big thing. And of course, you know, I talked about doing the health expos in town. Um, the one health expo was about three years ago, a patient came into my office needing a crown and the, the expo was the following day. I said, hey, just, I'll be there tomorrow. I'll come tomorrow and we'll do the crown there. So he did that and he started um, coming to um, the church uh, with the men's group Bible study at 6 a.m. on Thursday mornings. And he's still doing it three, three years later. Uh, so you, you never know what, you know, what can come of, of uh, giving back and um, uh, things like that. It's, it's been a big blessing. And I know you guys all do that in different aspects. Um, having photos of your mission trips in the, in the practice is um, important. And um, whether that's on a big screen in your waiting room, which probably is best now because you know, paper products are gone, the magazines, the pamphlets, that's, you know, that's the other thing this COVID is thing. It's, it, it's hit the spiritual care aspect in our office where we can't, for now, um, have things like that out. Um, but, you know, sharing, they can see the visual of what you're doing and giving back because patients have a tendency to think we're just rich dentists and um, they look at what we charge. They have no idea what the overhead is and the cost and things, but for them to see that um, we are giving back, we are blessing others and it's not about all about us um, is uh, important communication to to have in the office um, and I'm preaching to the choir here, but you know, to have a unified team is huge. I mean, we've all, we've all seen days where our team was just clicking, unified, having fun, energized. And those days, the, you know, the production just goes up in those days where, you know, you kind of feel the tension in the office um, it, it, it affects the production. There's no doubt about it. There's a direct correlation between um, team unity and energy and production. I've seen it over and over again. So as much as we can do as practitioners to unify the team, will increase their joy and your joy and the patient's joy. And it's, it's challenging at times. There's no no doubt about it. Um, one of the biggest hits to unity is gossip. And you know, we've implemented in the practice a no gossip rule. And um, if, if they gossip about somebody, it could be terms for um, termination. It's that serious. We want to be uplifting and supportive of each other. If, if you can't talk about someone with another person without them there, then you shouldn't be saying it. And if you have a problem with somebody, you go talk with them and it, you know, yourself. And then if you can't resolve it, you know, come with, you know, to me or the office manager to help with that. But um, maintaining unity in the practice is just, I can't emphasize that enough. And you, you've all seen that. And 
we've, you know, at a team meeting, we've even decided to, to pick a word. So if you're talking with a, a team member and it sounds like it might be getting into the gossip realm, they use that keyword and it kind of notifies each other that one is uncomfortable with the conversation and that it can end there. So that's been good. And you know, you get agreement at a team meeting, you get agreement from everyone that, okay, we're gonna choose a word. And if I feel like it's getting gossipy, it may or may not, I'm gonna use that word and so we can end it then. So the other person isn't offended by it because we, we, you know, we have agreement on it. Um, so that's been helpful to avoid, you know, gossip situations and to maintain uh, the unity in the office. Um, we have a fresh bouquet of flowers each week at the front, you know, front uh, desk. And if a patient is having a particularly bad you know, week or you know some issue in their life, we just give them the bouquet of flowers. And that's been a, a big uh, blessing to patients and the team and just, you know, just changes the dynamic of the day when, when that's done. And the other thing that we do is when we're communicating with the patients that we're very diligent in um, writing down the patient's, you know, hobbies, likes, um, just little things that's unique to them and we do special things for them along those lines. Um, you know, if a patient likes fudge, the next time they have an appointment, they come in, we give them some fudge or a gift certificate to something specific that they like. My assistants were telling me the um, thing they did the other day, um, as a kid liked Pokemon. So they got some Pokemon cards and hid them throughout the office and he got to go look for their Pokemon cards after the, the appointment. Um, and so, you know, all the team members have uh, their free will to make a decision on what to do for patients. You know, you can give them a budget like $20 or 50 or whatever it is so they can just go and do it. And that, you know, that's a big uh, marketing thing that we've done been very effective and um, it brings a lot of joy in the office. So I think that's that's all I had to share for today. It's kind of a um, medley of topics, um, but I'm hope I hope you you're able to uh, draw something from it that will benefit you and your practices. I don't know how much time we have left, but um, I think we have a few minutes to, uh, if you have any questions, feel free. Hi, Brock. I have a question. It's Kiana. Um, yeah. You mentioned that you have done, uh, you've been an associate, you've been a partner, you own practices. Um, which, do you, which did you prefer? What, what hat or what role did you like best? And if it's different, which one did you feel gave you the complete piece that you were looking for in terms of practice and um, mm -hmm. ministry, family, everything? If it's different, then which one do you prefer? Yeah, you know, that's a good question. 
Um, it's probably a tie. One would be the 50-50 partner is really nice because you know you share expenses, um, you cover each other when you're away, um, and um, there's a lot of benefits of you know networking and, and things like that with a you know 50-50 partner. But it, it has to be the right person. If it's not, it's a nightmare. It's like a marriage. Um, yeah. the, the partnership that I was in was great. He was a great guy, a mentor. We, you know, we both went to University of Michigan. We had the same similar philosophies. Um, he was a Christian. Um, so, you know, things that worked out really good. Um, but it can have some challenges, you know, even if you have a great partner, you may have, you know, different ideas on how to market and, you know, things like that. Um, the other role I, I, I really like is, you know, being a, you know, owner with an associate um, because you had the benefit of covering each other when you're gone to keep the practice, you know, moving forward and productive. Um, and, you know, another person to bounce things off of but that typically isn't a long-term thing it's you know someone who comes in to either you know buy your practice out or um you know transition you know get some experience so they can own their own practice the second practice i have is about an hour away and i have an associate there and he's about my age 52 53 and he doesn't want to own a practice he just wants to he just wants to come and work. So I have a manager there and he comes and works and that's a great, great for him, great for me. Um, the associate I have now at the, the practice that I work um, currently is um, just finished school. She graduated the University of Michigan as well, then did a AEGD residency in New Mexico and then came to my office. Um, but she's been great too. Uh, really impressed with her, you know, clinical skills early on. Um, so, you know, from that, I, probably the most ideal from the different experiences, I would lean a little bit more towards the owner with associate, if you can find the right situation. Okay, great. Thanks. Yeah, welcome. Any other questions, thoughts? I have a question. Yeah, hi, Phil. Yeah, how you doing? Um, and uh, this, what type of marketing are you doing, especially during this, uh, you know, whole uh, COVID crisis and things like that? What, what kind of things are you doing to kind of ease the patient to uh, have them come in uh, without being overly fear over this, uh, this madness, you know, that's going on? Yeah, um, that's a good, good question. It's been, been challenging for sure. Uh, we start out with, you know, we opened back up in June 1st, uh, screening everybody on the phone and um, doing parking lot. You know, we did have someone go out to the parking lot to the car, do the temp before we brought them in. A lot of, you know, a lot of phone calls, screening and, um, you know, making sure they understand if they have a temperature or any kind of symptoms that, you know, they call and cancel their appointment. And then with... Um, you know, probably, we probably did that for a couple months and we transitioned into, you know, I had the, you know, nice comfy waiting room with couches and, 
stuff. So we, you know, we got rid of all that and, you know, put chairs in that were spaced six feet. So now we have patients coming in um, the door. We have a desk there that they get screened at by the appointment coordinator. And, um, and then they, you know, take a seat in the waiting room. As far as marketing, we really haven't, other than Facebook posts, um, we've, we've done that um, as far as expectations and our procedure. We did revamp our website um, a month ago, um, but um, the, you know, those are, haven't done a lot of, you know, marketing is, is kind of been more as with all of you, a survival year, you know, trying to figure it all out and making adjustments as you go and uh, trying to figure out how to stay productive with increased costs, overhead, um, PPE, and, you know, potentially hiring more people to help screening and all that kind of stuff. So I don't know if that helped answer your question. Sure did. Thank, thank you. Yeah. Rob, there's a question in the chat as well. I think it's from Donetta L. And they're asking, what are some barriers to sharing Christ if you faced any and how do you overcome them? And I think they asked in the beginning if you're an associate. So I'm not sure if that's just period or if it's as an associate as well. Yeah. Thanks for giving me the heads up on that. I can see the messages there. Um, I'm not an associate and an owner. I have an associate that works with me. Barriers really don't, you know, there aren't really barriers. If, you know, if you own your practice and there's no, what do I say? There's no, there's nothing against it or, or whatever. Um, you have freedom to do that. If you're an associate and your boss is not a believer, there may be some barriers uh, to sharing. Um, but, you know, the biggest barrier in a practice to me is time. Um, with an efficient dental practice, I think is very challenging, like I mentioned earlier. You know, like I mentioned earlier too, I have some growth in this. And, um, but I, you know, I would say the biggest uh, barrier is time in sharing Christ and creating the space for that. And the more productive we become, the more efficient, um, the more, um, space that can open up for that. I think that's the best way I can answer that question. Uh, hello, I really like to know, um, because I think I misunderstood or I didn't understand correctly about the bouquet flower. What do you do with that, with the flowers? Yeah, we, we buy a, a fresh bouquet of flowers every week and we put those on the front desk for patients. Okay. And if we have a patient that really would appreciate them or need them, they're having a tough time in their life, we just give that bouquet of flowers to them. Oh. If it's early in the week, if it's like a Monday or Tuesday or something, we order another one for the front desk for that week. <laughs> if, it's, if it's towards the end of the week, we just give it, we usually give it to somebody anyway towards the end of the week if it's still in Excellent. good very good thank you you know i just want to sh want to share my um contact information this yes, is my cell phone, cell phone there and um email address so you're welcome to call or text or email me 
anytime. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. Well, thank you everybody for being patient with my technology deficiencies and and listening. I appreciate you all and uh, the blessing you have been uh, to me. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.